Good morning. Hopefully you have a, your notes from last week. If not, if you need some, Brother Kelly and I will give you one. Raise your hand if you need a note. Uh, you know by now, if you go to Sunday school regularly, just because it's lesson one or two, it doesn't mean we get done right away. So just keep it in your book, keep it in your Bible, so that you can have it. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter number uh, 6. Uh, open up your Bibles there if you would like. Most of your uh, verses are in your notes that you have that is there. But uh, let's look at Deuteronomy. We're getting most of the principles we're talking about out of this passage right here, okay? Deuteronomy chapter number 6. And so in just a quickly uh, way of review, our lesson has been... Uh, talking about teaching of biblical truths, teaching uh, biblical eternal truths of today's challenges. That's our lesson number two on making homework. And uh, we talked about that uh, children will learn things and they'll pick up things and they'll see things that you do at home as you live your life. And by your action, they'll pick up and catch things and they apply it to their life and they learn that way. Uh, but we don't want to leave uh, biblical truths uh, just uh, letting experience and seeing them uh, do things Christian-like in your home. We want to, uh, on purpose, uh, do some teaching. So we want to couple it with intentional teaching, teaching actually the truth from the Word of God to our children, and then coupling that with our testimony of living the Christian life truly, in our personal lives, and they can see that. So what we're saying and what we're doing matches, and that would help, all right? Don't leave it just uh, for your example. Actually involve yourself in teaching children, your children personally, at home, eternal truths, Bible truths. And then uh, it is the responsibility of the parent. It is the responsibility of the parent. We read in Deuteronomy, we see clearly, is the responsibility of the parent uh, not necessarily the church. It is the responsibility of the parents. The church is to supplement, but the parents are to do the main nurturing and, and admonition and the sustenance of daily interaction with your children has to come from dad and mom, and it's important. And then we go to our first point in your blank, and it's uh, teach with passion. Teach with passion. We talked about that. We need to believe what we are teaching, all right? So before we continue, uh, let's go ahead and pray and get us on track here. Lord, thank you again for this morning. Thank you for all those that are here. Thank you for the children's classes. Thank you for the teachers. Thank you for the teens. Just thank you for everyone that has made it out today at church. Lord, uh, we're, we invited some people to come that we know need you uh, spiritually in some way. Lord, we, uh, faithful tenders, we need you also. And Lord, give us uh, truth today that will encourage us, challenge us, convict us, move us in the right direction, make us grow, and Lord, uh, help it to be uh, not boredom. Lord, would set in and in the spirit of apathy that we don't care anymore. Lord, I pray that we would be invested. Lord, even as we listen, we're invested in wanting to learn, wanting to listen, and wanting to understand. Give us, Lord, understanding hearts. When it comes to truths that might be unfamiliar to us, or maybe it sounds new, 
maybe coming from a different angle or a new perspective. Help us not to be misunderstood today, those that are teaching, like myself. Lord, help me not to be misunderstood. I'm asking that you will supersede in my speech. You will supersede, Lord, in the way I'm thinking now. Get me to be geared up. And Lord, uh, there's many that is dear to us uh, that I'm, uh, and I know many, Lord, are, are carrying burdens. Uh, we think of Miss Sue, really. Uh, I pray that you would help her. Lord, I pray that you would help the family. Lord, Brother Ken and the rest of the children. Just be with the BBs today. Uh, you supersede in that. You know exactly what they need. And we're asking for healing. That's our request. But Lord, may you do your will. Lord, bless us as we look at now this truths and uh, get us together now in unity of mind, in unity of spirit, in unity of heart. And then may we receive that in unity of action. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Teach with passion. Uh, I was watching uh, the game with the Packers. And I think they played, uh, which one did they lost to San Francisco? And they were about to win. And they were winning. And at the end, you know, obviously they lost. And it was a podcast. And I wouldn't suggest just to listen to anything like that. But we didn't have a way to watch that particular game at home. And so I'll... I look to YouTube and, and be careful. Obviously, you need to have some guidance in that and ask the Lord to help you. And so uh, I found a guy that is a Packers fan, and he's watching it, and then he's also talking about it, and that's the best way I could do it instead of uh, maybe listening to it on the radio. And I kid you not, I was so entertained by this idiot uh, that I watched the whole thing listening to him. He's got different shindigs he does. He, he pokes at a little rabbit, and he does something else. And I actually enjoyed it. It's because of his passion, the passion that he had for this. I can't believe it. He would literally get up and have to go to the bathroom because part of his show is that he has to drink as much water as possible. And there's something to do with that in his podcast, you know. And at that moment, he said there were 60, no, 50,000 people watching him in his living room, watching the Packers game. And I'm not a Packers fan, nor a San Francisco fan, although I would like San Francisco to win the Super Bowl. Let's go next week, Purdy. Let's take care of homes, my home, you know. Let's, let's make, uh, let's make uh, uh, Taylor Swift cry. Let's do it. Let's do it, all right? Okay, I'm derailing really bad. So let's get back with passion. Right? If he's passionate about that, uh, and uh, amuse, amuse uh, uh, entertainment has its place in, in life, uh, you should be, you should be uh, uh, using some of that to get uh, energy and be careful as long as it's not sin. Uh, do something that would help you in life, all right? Uh, God made humor, and God made us to enjoy this life, all right? Find some good things that will enable you and put it in a proper priority, okay? Don't make it the top of your priority, but make it somewhere in there to help you serve God better, okay? I'm telling you, there's a principle in the truth of God that tells us that uh, even sleep can help you spiritually. Even sleep can help you spiritually. Uh, the sleep of a laboring man, a righteous man, is sweet, all right? He gives his beloved sleep. And so don't think that as Americans we're geared to work, 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 work. Busy, 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 busy. And if we don't do anything, we feel lazy, all right? All right? You will feel lazy if you don't do nothing at all. But if you are busy and you do a lot of work 
And there's a time of rest. God set aside for us. What did he set aside? One day out of the week. He gives us a principle to take a break. All right? There's nothing wrong with leisure. Just be careful how you put that in priority. God is preeminent. He's number one. All right? It should not be competing with God at all. Not even close. All right? So that's free for you. Uh, just trying to get passion here. Passion. And so uh, I got excited for the Packers because of this guy. Right? It probably would have been different if I watched the game. I would not be as excited. But this guy was passionate. He said some cool stuff uh, that had a good ring to it. And so I'm like, I like it. Right? Have that creativity and passion when you're teaching your children uh, spiritual truths. Okay? Bring that along in your teaching. Deuteronomy 6, 5, and 7. We looked at that last week. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach uh, them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest down, uh, when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and thou wouldst rise it up. That's what it talks about there, the idea of teaching with passion. And we looked at letter A. We looked at letter A, it starts with a personal love for the Lord as the teacher, as the parent. This is talking to parents when it says that uh, you should have this in your heart, all right? Uh, This is talking to the parents, and we talked about that, that uh, we should have that in our hearts. And let me read you this again. This uh, paragraph is really good. It gives a good kind of example of what I'm talking about. Your children know what you get passionate about. They see your level of enthusiasm about the projects or hobbies in which you are invested. And along with that story of watching this guy, I had Micah with me, watching this guy talk about that. And so we had a good time together as son, uh, father and son. So <clears throat> they know when a sports game rearranges your schedule or a chance to get together with a friend lights your excitement. They also see when church attendance is easily canceled or uh, other pursuits or when the things of God become a burden to you, all right? We find on the idea of a personal love, it says there with a command, thou shalt love. We find that in the verse we read. I believe it was in verse 5 that says that. Uh, And thou shalt love the Lord thy God. This is to be the individual choice of every Christian parent. It is an individual choice of every Christian parent's. Okay, the purest love isn't only emotion, all right? The purest love is not only emotion, but it does include emotion, all right? Sometimes we autocorrect, and we don't want an an emotional uh, drive, or we think of inspiration sometimes as an emotional, uh, emotional influence on us, and we, 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 we try to... All right, that's not good, yes, but we need to balance it. We should not just do things because we were inspired to do it. All right, there's a balance to that truth, and that truth is duty. That truth is duty. We talked about this whole thing when we started, that children are both a privilege and a responsibility. Responsibility requires you at times to execute that responsibility with the character of duty. 
I'm going to do this because it's the right thing to do. Whether I feel like it, whether I, I have the motivation right now, whether I have the strength right now, I have to parent my children no matter what. Correct? So we balance that with the other side. We don't throw away inspiration. We don't throw away uh, uh, the idea of having an emotion. You should love your children, and they should see that. Maybe tear up when they do something right. Uh, maybe laugh with them when they do something funny. All right? That also applies. It's a balanced truth. It's moderation. Let's put the two together, and both are important. Both are important parenting. All right? It's not all duty. It has to be some inspiration there, guys. It has to be some emotion part of it, or you're a robotic person. And your kid's going to look at you like, what's wrong with mom and dad? Right? You're a person. And we are built with emotion. So don't emphasize emotion, but don't go without it. Balance it. Put it in proper perspective. Kind of just what I was talking about, leisure and time of rest and time to get away so that you don't fall apart. All right? Find those things balance. All right? Now, here's the situation. Uh, There was times in the Bible that uh, Jesus pushed his disciples. Uh, They were ready to rest. There's some stories. They were ready to rest. The disciples were were tired. They were just just tired from serving. And they were going to go away with the idea to now come apart and rest. And then at times Jesus says, not now. We need to keep going. We need to do more. And that's asking above and beyond the call of duty. They put in the time. They did the work. Now they're expecting in their brain rest time. And God sometimes says, no. No, it's not rest time. This is perfect timing right now. We can do something. Even though we're tired, let's move on. You see that in the, in, in the walk and the teaching of Jesus. And then there's times when he says, all right, let's go. Uh, and I'm going to be with my father. You guys go ahead and go and take a break. And you see that as well in the life of Jesus. So think about that with this idea of emotion and being inspired and having that pure love uh, is not only emotion, which the world teaches us, it's all about how you feel. It's not. All right? We know that being taught well here in the church and the truth of the word of God is proclaimed. I feel our church really understand what love is. Okay? Biblically. So <clears throat> it means we're surrendered every area of our life to him and are not publicly saying we love God while our children watch us privately engage in sinful activities. So to love God, it means all around, in your public life, not just that, but also in your private life, right? To love God with all our might means we invest ourselves in his service, all right? In his service. We talked about loving the Lord with all of your heart, uh, and then we talked about him with all of our soul. That means with all of our soul means that we love him publicly and privately. Now we go to our might here. What does that mean? To love God with all our might is to invest ourselves in his service. So the children need to see this as we teach them this. We serve, we give, we witness, we pray, we invest our energy in our love for God. All right? One author wrote, may God deliver us from a ho-hum attitude. Young people can read their parents. They can see right through their teachers, and they turn away in disgust from a make-believe faith. A make-believe faith. Make your faith 
real, all right? Children are good, <laughs> they're almost like mini spies. And teenagers are almost look like and act like professional interrogators, all right? And so you know that if you have had children, and now if you're raising some teenagers, uh, not only they're looking, now they're asking questions. Our kids need to know and see that we're sincere, selfless, strong love for God in us. They need to see those things, the sincere, selfless, strong love for God. And they also need to see us walking with the Lord. And so we go to our next point in this teaching with passion is we need to have a personal walk with God. Their kids need to see our personal love for God. They need to also see our personal walk with God. And look at verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6. It says, And these words which I command you this day shall be in thine heart. Uh, One of the greatest ways for you to prove your children that you love God is to display joyful obedience to him. Joyful obedience to him. John 14, 15 is clear. A lot of us know this verse. If you love me, keep my commandments. The reality is that one day your children will follow your example rather than your advice. Let me read that again. The reality is that one day your children will follow your example rather than your advice. Proverbs 23, 26. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes Observe my ways. That's convicting if you're a parent here and you really paid attention to what that means. You're saying to your kids, look at the way I do things. Look at the way I love people. Look at the way I serve God. Look at the way I give. Look at the way I have a relationship with the Bible. Look at how I treat your mother. Look at how I treat your father. Look at how I treat your neighbors. That's what you're saying with that verse. My son, give me thine heart. Do you know how for you to obtain the heart of your children is for you to do this verse and let thine eyes observe my ways. Real Christianity is powerful and real Christian parents have more power than if you're just going to make believe faith and you're just going to do it out of motion. Make it real as much as possible. Saying do as I say, not as I do may work for a few years. While you enforce rules, especially when they're young, they can't tell the difference. But it will not cultivate hearts that follow God for a lifetime. Remember the the principle we're getting at in the very beginning here. We're not only getting our kids to perform outward things. We want to get the change inward. And then later it will come out. That's what we want. We want heart cultivation. We want heart planting. We We want the heart We don't want the outside confirmation. We want a transformation within, from the heart. My goal for my children as I teach and lead them is to be able to penetrate their heart. Their heart. I want to get in the heart because that is where change happens and that is where convictions and those convictions of truth that they believe will help them all their life. That's when those things are powerful. And so we want that. Too many Christian parents want to know how to get their kids to keep God's commandments. Such as staying in church even as a young adult. Loving God's word and caring for others. Without taking the time to root their children's hearts in a personal, 
passionate love for God by example. By example. Our ministry to our kids starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. If you don't get the heart, you can get them to conform. But watch it because the truth lies. The Bible says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speak it. At one point or another, ladies and gentlemen, what's in your heart will come out of your mouth, will come out of your behavior, and will come out in your decision making, and will come out in how you treat other people. It will come. Can't hide it. It's just a fact of life. All right? So think about that. Our pursuit is not outward confirmation. Our pursuit is inward transformation. That's where I want to be. That's where God wants to be. You know how he deals with us when we're sinners? He deals with us from the heart. He doesn't deal outwardly. Man does that in religion because religion pacifies our conscience because God made us with a conscience. The law of God is written in our heart. And so sometimes uh, that is powerful to provoke one another to good work, but it needs to be deeper than that. It needs to be godly conviction. It needs to be biblical conviction. I, as the pastor, can influence you in a way, but I don't want my influence to be the only thing that's motivating you, my sister, my brother, to do right. It has to be God. It has to be God in your heart. Because someday I'll be buried. Someday I'll be buried. But God is eternal. He doesn't change. And he needs to be in your heart, in your children's heart. Not only teach God's word with passion now, we need to do it with persistence. So we go to the second point. Uh, did I go far? Teach with persistence. Teach with persistence, number two. Look at Deuteronomy again, chapter number six. And these words which I command you this day shall be in thine heart. And look at the word here. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That is all-inclusive. That is all-inclusive. <laughs> Parenting is 24-7. When you less expect it, you're teaching your children. Yeah, when you're not even thinking, you're teaching your children. The way you like your coffee, the way you like your routine, those are teaching tools that your kids are watching. Oh, mom gets up at this time, mom goes to the couch, and mom turns the lamp on, and mom, they don't verbalize all of this, obviously. That's weird. That's why I'm so weird like that. But, uh, but they do it subconsciously in their brain. It's being memory, and it's just being stored. Oh, dad prays at this time. We don't want to bother dad. He's praying this time. He's, they're listening to conversation. They're learning to counsel. Oh, boy, as a pastor. Uh, I, I don't try to have my kids know everything, uh, and they don't. I protect them. They don't need to hear it. There's none of their business. But, uh, but uh, uh, sometimes they know I was talking to somebody. They would know that. Dad went to meet somebody. All right? And that's all in their brain. That's all teaching times, and it's all happening, whether you're engaged or not. All right? 
in other words, your home is to be an ongoing school of discipleship, a Bible school, a Bible school. Look at the point letter A here. We're doing really good, guys. Teach the truth. Teach the truth. Uh, when it comes to persistence, teach the truth. Read the Bible daily with your children. Challenge you to do this. Read the Bible daily with your children. We call it family devotions. Sometimes it's called family altar. You can call it family time. Whatever you want to call it. Bible time. All right? You can do whatever you need to do. Have a time every day when, as a family, you learn from God's word. Where do we find that basis? Right there in verse number 7. And shall teach them diligently to thy children, and shall talk of them when thou sittest. When do you sit? Just on select days, Wednesday, that's the only time you sit. Uh, when thou walkest, all right? This is talking about a daily activity, a daily life. Christianity is a lifestyle, all right? It is not just a, uh, a uh, uh, theories and uh, uh, principles that hang up in the cloud. It is something to be lived out. It needs to be lived out, all right? And so you see that here. Uh, have a family life. Have a time every day when, as a family, you learn from God's word together. When we were newly married, we read together. Now that we have a family, we included them in that reading. But my wife reads on her own. I read on my own. The children read on their own. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.2, thou, thou that mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you this I command you thee, thou, and thy son, and thy son's son. You see the, the length of generation there? Let me read that again. I read it kind of fast. Deuteronomy 6.2, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou, and thy son, and thy son's sons. Three generations. You personally, your son, and your grandchildren. One of the great problems of Christian homes today is dropout dads. Too many fathers have abandoned their role to teach their children, leaving it to mom. Now, I'm guilty at times because I'm busy. That if I can't make it for family devotion, I do ask my wife to do it. She's a better preacher. And everybody knows at home who the preacher is. You can ask my wife about that. One of my kids says, Dad, you're the preacher at church, but my mom is a preacher at home. And I said to that, hallelujah, amen. No, she's just passionate. You see her passion about that. She is passionate about the word of God, and she wants to see her children uh, know it. And I adore that about my wife, and I praise the Lord for a wife such as that. All right, dad and mom should be in partnership. I know the responsibility falls to the dad, but my wife and I like to do things together. And if you notice that in the church, you notice that my wife is involved because that's the way God's led us. Because the responsibility of spiritual leadership in the home falls on the husband, is very clear now, Ephesians 5.23. And because fathers are the ones directed, instructed, directly instructed to bring up their children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord in Ephesians 6.4, it is critically important that dad should take the initiative to lead family devotions. So at times it might be that your wife's doing it with the children, but 
it should not be a all-the-time moment that that happens. At any rate, most of the time, it should be the father, if the father is present. Be the spiritual leader at home. Over time, it will get easier, and over time, it will bear fruit. It might be awkward at times, at first, to say, hey, children, right after breakfast, we're going to all sit on the table, bring your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to start with the book of Proverbs. It might be awkward because you've not done it yet. But uh, if you start, that's a good thing, and then stay with it. And it will become a part of your habit as a family, and you will find that it will be good. And there's, that's, a, that's one time you could do it. You could do it uh, after dinner. You could do it at other times. What works best for your family, all right? There's liberty in that. Our world today is using every means at its disposal to convince our kids that Christianity is fine for those who want to believe. But that is scientifically and inaccurate and relationally intolerant. That's the talk of the day. But when a child hears from dad that the Bible is true and that God is real and Jesus loves him, early convictions begin to develop that will protect him later. Similarly, when a preteen or teen begins grappling with what the world says about sexuality and tolerance, and that opens God's word and says, this is what God says and what I believe, that has a profound impact on your young person's heart. Who has the most time should be with their children? This is a very common answer, should be. Who should have the most time with your children? Who? The parents. And our mighty, wise enemy has developed it so that you rarely spend time with your children. It'll get you busy with work. It'll get busy with hobbies. It'll get you busy with even good things. And you fail to see the fact that as a parent, you should have the most time with your children. Junior church only has them for about a Sunday. Wednesday club only has them about an hour. Sunday school, probably 45 minutes. So don't expect the church to do your job. And please don't trust the schools to do it either. It is your responsibility, parents, when you have children. You have the most time with them. Don't squander the time you have. Don't waste the time. You have the most time. You can make the difference in your children. God has given you plenty of tools, plenty of avenues, plenty of time and chance to get the job done. I only have one lifetime to raise the children that God gave me. I can't repeat it. I can't go back. So with seriousness now and with, uh, with persistence in our mind, let's us strive to be the best parent we possibly can. Let's use the time and the chances God has given us and let us not squander as much as possible. Let's order our life. Let's rearrange our schedule. They don't have to do all the activities the world tells them to do. They don't have to be a part of every little league. Now, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I know personally Michael loves football, and uh, I know he's looking forward to the tournament already at Southeast. 
for the first time, he was part of the team. He didn't play, but he was part of the team. But he's still excited about that, and I, I'm not going to go against that, right? But there's priorities, like I said before. There's some things that matter more than that. But it's not wrong to have some of that, okay? So just think about that in your life. Our world today is just that, uh, that's, uh, our world today is using every means. Let me finish this. Uh, <clears throat> And, uh, and a note to moms as well, when your husband take leadership in times of family devotion, encourage that. Ask him how you could be of help, all right? Now, uh, there's a situation in, in our culture, if you are a single mom, or maybe a single dad, I know some of that, or have an unsaved husband or unsaved wife, don't despair. Still make family devotion a priority. Make it a priority. Any parent with a real relationship with God, even a new Christian, can lead their child spiritually. Here are a few steps to help us along the way. We'll go quickly on this. And I wanted to finish today. There's no way. And so I'm going to finish this thought, and we'll go to point number three next week. Look at number one here in the practical approach of having teaching truths, not persistent, teaching truth. Uh, uh, let's, uh, I don't think it's in your notes. It's not in your notes. Uh, number one, you might write it down there, set a time. Set a time. Set a time. In America, we're busy people. And so we are made more aware of time. That's why in this country, we, we value time. Praise the Lord for that. All right? In some other countries, they don't live like us. They sit around for all morning and just drink coffee and talk forever about nothing. And then they might go and go fishing that evening. In some countries, life is slower. And maybe that provides them more time with their kids, but it's sad to say they don't. Even though they have more time like that, they don't. They really don't. So uh, set a time, all right? A responsibility as vital as teaching our children the eternal truths of God's word must likewise be something we take seriously enough that we set a definite time for it. Invariably, distractions will come up. Fight the distraction. Fight them. You won't regret it. So set a time. There's liberty in that. Find the time. Don't do it at 1 in the morning. I don't think you should do it at 4 in the morning unless you get up that early. Fine. If your kids are all wonderful kids in the morning and they sing your praises at 4 in the morning, do it then. That's up to you. That's not going to happen in our house. All right? Number two, start simple. You don't have to be a theologian, fathers and mothers, to teach your children. Teach them what you know. Teach them what you've learned. All right? It'll motivate you to know the Bible. Start simple. Okay? That's number two. Set a time. Start simple. You don't have to be a theologian. Proverbs is, in fact, a good place to start. And I would recommend that. That's what we do. Uh, think about the stories of the Bible. Maybe Adam and Eve. Maybe Cain and Abel. And just keep going. There's some discretion. Uh, you might have a hard time talking about them, David and Bathsheba. Uh, you might have to wait, but uh, and, and maybe you have to skip Song of Solomon for a little bit. All right? Uh, but do something. Do something to help you and be, and be very, very practical. Teach them the basic truths from Scripture that apply to their age. Uh, obedience, that's a good one. Respect, contentment, and so forth. You can do this through Bible stories. Uh, Cain disobeyed God. 
but Abel obeyed God. Remember the sacrifice they made. As well as uh, through direct verses, Ephesians 6.1 teaches children, obey your parents. All right? So there's some ideas for you. Number three, set a time, number one, start simple. Talking about teaching with persistence now the truth. Number three, grow with your children. Grow with your children. What do I mean by that? While four-year-olds love being lions as they act out Noah and the ark, most 14-year-olds don't. All right, kids, uh, Abigail, you're going to be the little doggy. Come on, remember how you do that? No, that isn't going to work. All right? As your kids grow, let the emphasis of family devotion grow with them. Tailor it for their age. Tailor it for their age. Be relevant as much as possible to them. The Bible is relevant, but it needs your help. Not that it needs your help, but you need to be relevant with the Bible. Okay? Tell them the truth. Use examples of the day. Teach also the truths of the Bible. The commands of God. All right? The sins of men. Salvation through Jesus' blood. Grace, faith, and the fruit of the Spirit. Forgiveness. So much. All right? For older teenagers, you may want to study a topic like anger, speech, relationships, making decisions. Making decisions. There's one parent in our church that gave me wise advice, and I'm really contemplating it and trying to make this practical. You want your children to be making their own decisions in the safety of your home, and you're gauging if they're making wise decisions before they go out of your house. That's a good advice. So I'm doing that with my children. I did something yesterday, uh, and I, my thought of it, I don't know if they understood me. My thought of it was faith. So coming back from the teen tri-state, I had Abigail and Michael with me in the car, and they said, I got an engagement that I had to be a part of on Saturday at noon, and I didn't tell them what it was. But it involved some things that are ministry. You have to do something uh, that involves effort. But it also has a benefit that I know if they knew they would like. And I don't want to determine uh, the answer because of the information ahead of time. So I said this. All right, I got, a, I got, a, I got, a, I got, I got an activity for you both. Whoever, whoever says I'm going to go with that first is the one I'm taking. So I've got an activity tomorrow. I'm not going to tell you what it is. I'm not lying to you. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to be detrimental to you. I'm not tricking you, you know. But I'm just giving you an opportunity to exercise faith. You're not going to know all the details. All you're going to know is dad's going to be there. And you know dad's, dad's uh, reputation is what you're basing on my words and the way I behave. And that's not good all the time. Sorry about that. But, but that's how you do that, right? And then and they were thinking. And Micah right away goes, what are you doing? What are we going to do? No, 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 no. That's the point of this. You're not going to know until we do it. Well, I need no. Well, Abby goes, I'll go. Right away. But she thought about it, too. It was not right away. And so, uh, I don't think Micah knows still. Did Micah know now? Oh, my God. And so, when we got there, we were invited to a birthday party. And it's rare that I take my out on a, on a date. And the way it's set up, there's a group of people, and half of them we didn't know. And so, my, my daughter and I sat together on the same seat, and we had a date at Piesta Bamba. And she loves Mexican food. And what she ordered, guess what? It was expensive. She got expensive taste. Watch out. And she got the shrimp. And so I said, oh, man, the Philippines, that's cheaper. But not here. 
but I got it. Her meal was a lot more expensive than mine. And I feel like that's teaching them some faith, right? And you say, well, you're manipulative. Well, come on, have a good spirit with me. Teach also the truths of the Bible, all right? Quickly, number four, and we're going to be done because our time has expired. Emphasize application. Emphasize application. We get stuck teaching biblical truths, historically informative stuff. That's very, very vital. That's really good in the first. Uh, like, like Moriah needs to know that Adam and Eve are actual people, that they actually lived in Eden. All right? But you have to move on to truth. You have to apply it. So emphasize application. Bill Moody said this. The Bible was not given for our information. Now, he's making a point here. It is given for our information. But he's making a point. The Bible was not given for our information, but for our transformation. 1 Timothy 4, 9 and 13. Read that later on your own time. But make the Bible applied in their life. Find the truths and make it applicable to their life. All right? Don't just leave it in their head. Get it to their heart. And more than that, get them to live it in life. Lord bless us. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You're dismissed. Get out of here.